0: I mean, is rappelling down the Senate chamber wall, is that part of the tour now? Is it it an adventure tour? Is breaking the windows part of the tour? Is shooting people in the face with bear mace, stealing their riot shield, breaking the windows, defecating in the hallway? Is that on the tour?
1: Attention passengers, we ask that you please fasten your seatbelts at this time and secure all baggage underneath your seat or in the overhead compartments. Fly over country when Scott Jennings is prepared for takeoff.
2: We have our our crisis crew in place here among the power outages across Kentucky. Jared Crawford is here, Scott Jennings, Joe Arnold. Uh, I'm Scott, I'll give you a break on basically uh, – ruining baseball on the Los Angeles Times this past week because of the fact that you were uh-uh. that you were without that you were without power and and, and, and as a result, you know, you you could only write by candlelight on your laptop. So, anyway, we'll talk about that as well. But
0: morning. I, I, I had I had plenty of power to write my nationally recognized column on why the pitch clock and the shift ban are good for baseball. And you should read it in the LA Times or on Yahoo News and other places where it popped up because it's a good column. And I have specifically instructed them not to per, uh, print any rebuttals
2: from you. <laughs> I have not had a chance. I've been a little <laughs> – so my day job is, is working with the electric cooperatives of Kentucky, and I've been spending literally like 20 hours a day on on, on outage communication. You know, that's amazing.
0: That. You, you say you're working on this, yet my power is still out. And I know <laughs> I don't live in a co-op territory but i feel like if you were working as hard as you claim i would be able to be in my house and not the spring hill suites or whatever
2: i did invite (laughs) you i i think i offered to help in any way that i could i just can't help in that regard there are territorial laws about what we're allowed to touch and what we're i mean look
0: i mean look we, we got joe biden breaks the law almost every day, and you're telling me you can't get my power turned on? I, uh, uh, yes. <laughs> what is yes. I mean, he can break yes, the law. I, he can, I mean, we can, we can just pay off people's debts, and we can uh, just pretend like the yeah. Constitution doesn't exist. I don't understand why you can't get my power turned
2: on. Okay, this, this in fact, then strikes at the heart of my biggest problem with Scott Jennings today, <laughs> okay. is that what you just said, you're saying put principles aside for the sake of expediency yeah and personal personal <laughs> selfish expediency exactly. and that and that's 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 where the baseball thing comes in is because you're saying you know something i believed in the constitution and in the bible until this moment and now we're saying but you know it doesn't quite fit my lifestyle so i'm going to change these things for the sake of This is what this is the baseball. This is the the rules of baseball. You said, yeah, I I believe all these things were good, but ultimately they weren't doing it enough because people's behavior didn't keep up with it.
0: Let me offer a counter argument, which is to say that the game and some of the not everybody, but some of the people who played the game started doing so in a way that wasn't conducive to the enjoyment of the people who, like us, keep baseball alive. I put you in this category. You and I go to games. We buy MLB TV. We root for our team. Like, we are the core baseball fan. And there's a lot of us out there. And I think you had certain players and certain uh, uh, people in the game who had stopped caring about what is the fan experience here. And baseball still has a long way to go. But I'll tell you what, having experienced six games in Jupiter, as you can read in my L.A. Times piece, I I couldn't believe how much better paced the game. Shortening the game actually didn't really – matter to me that much personally now when you take your little kids getting them to sit through four hours impossible something under three very possible how many times did i you know have i gone to a game and left in the sixth or seventh inning and we're in hour three i have no idea what's going to happen but you know Mm -hmm. at some point it ends you know for the kids and i just i'm just saying this is fixing a couple of things that are gonna in- enhance the experience for people who keep baseball going.
2: If I could, Jared, because yeah. I, I want to talk first, <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. Okay, but I'm saying is there's better ways to to have gone about this, and because it was ignored for so long, these kind of draconian measures had to be put in place that actually changed the, the DNA of the game. How could hey. you? How could you fix? How could you fix the pitcher? I mean, look, bottom umpires line, umpires had discretion this entire time. And they didn't exercise it as far as getting but people back to the But the players would
0: have the, the players would have been in an uproar. So okay. would the fans. Would you yeah. do you want some of these idiot umpires exercising random discretion without an actual clock? That's <laughs> that's another issue they haven't fixed. There are still umpires in this game like CB Buckner and uh, Angel, Angel Hernandez, Hernandez that are just. I mean, they are objectively horrific <laughs> at their job. You're arguing that we put people like that in charge of some. Random quasi private yes. process. Yes, like, I am. because you have to trust mm. the people.
2: If not, if they're if they're terrible at their job, you should fire them. I agree,
0: but they're not doing that, and I guess right. they can't because. And of I their agree
2: union. with you. So, I, so again, it is a failure of baseball that baseball has to ruin baseball to fix baseball. Jared,
3: I think I I think I appreciate Scott's point here of that. Especially for kids and things like this, one of my biggest gripes with like Fenway over the last decade or so is all the money went to like the Wally Zone for kids because games became so long. Yeah, parents need a place to drop off kids, and they didn't like upgrade the seats or yeah. lower, you know, beer and hot dog prices. So all that money went to building like slides and parks in there. And so if they can cut down on the the time of the game, so they can actually upgrade facilities and upgrade seating and things that actually matter to the fan experience for a lot of fans I don't have kids so like I don't care about there being like a play zone uh, I appreciate that because I felt like there was a lot of gimmicky things they did to try to like bring in uh a, you know adults with kids or a younger audience and stuff like that so trying to fix the actual game I, I appreciate that
0: yeah I, I look when we go like you know we have season tickets here to the Louisville bats our mm-hmm. A team in Louisville I mean, you know, you can guarantee a trip to the playground. You can guarantee a trip to the carousel. Mm-hmm. You can guarantee a lap or two around the and, – and that's just at a minor league park. You go to a major league park, and there's all kinds mm-hmm. – of, and they put those things in because, because mm-hmm. kids won't sit there for four-plus hours. Yeah. Now, I want to be able to take all my family to the ballpark and have them go for one reason, to watch the game, enjoy the game, and feel like we can have a setting – uh, in a seating where it's all about the game. I think the rules are going to make that more possible for a family like mine. So I'm i hoping Again,
2: I agree with your goals. I what I what I regret is the fact that you're you're, you're mutating the game Why is it mutating?
0: I, I mean here's where I think you're going to you might change your mind on that when you go to one. The game when you watch a game under these rules, it's going to feel like or remind you of the way You felt and watched baseball as a kid or as a young adult. If you look back over time and the the pace of play and the game and the average game time, and and when your eyes visually watch the field, it to me the shift was mutated. To look at a baseball, baseball is perfect. The diamond is perfect. The The. field (laughs) symmetry is perfect. Where the players stand, the 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 length of the bases, ninety feet, it's all perfect. Mutated to me is when you put every player on the field on one side of it. That's, no, that's, that, that's now we're out of balance.
2: That's strategy, and that's and that's still playing within the, the 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 diamond. It's still playing within the dimensions of the game. What they were going to do, and I wouldn't put it past them, was move the pitcher's mound. That's This is not a sports podcast, but, but are, no, th- yeah, th- oh. th- I mean, uh, this is a weird move. It where? No, they're they're actually going to move it <laughs> left or <forward>. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Coming laughs> No, that was move a whole back. other <laughs> move it back. Yeah, uh, oh. move it, move it, move it back. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, and then that's a whole. And they'll probably they don't still talk to, about that. Here's why they don't need to do that because by The second ba- base is the size of my car, you won't even notice
3: it. I'm Are ready. you like pro analytics and sabermetrics and all those things? Because that's what the shift was, right? Because it, it was it was I don't, strategy, did, But then it became numbers. I don't care if, game. if if there's a way for you to, to to
2: to locate your players in different ways because you think it's going to give you an advantage. There's also a cost for that. And my whole problem because I, I believe in market economics. I believe that in that if why should we be propping up? And you pointed out in your column in the L.A. Times, Scott, about how you're going to be able to extend the careers of these, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. these aging sluggers who are, you know, quote unquote, popular. You know why? Why if, if they can't perform up to the the game today, why should we engineer the system to give them the <sighs> subsidy to be able I, to continue you know, to compete?
0: I can't believe after what you and I experienced last year with Albert Pujols, you're making this argument. That was one of the most magical seasons. I was very seasons. consistent the entire that was, time. That was one of the most magical seasons and you and I yeah. called each other every night. Did yeah. you see Albert? Are you watching Albert? We were yeah. watching on our phones and now you're sitting here crapping now, on
2: it. I you're ruining this beautiful I was moment very that we had con- last year. I was very <laughs> consistent the entire time as to say if they're going to ruin baseball by bring the DH to the National League, you might as well bring Albert. So I I, I didn't yeah. I didn't like the the, the change, but I was still I'll still here's the here's the problem and then we'll move on. I'm a sucker. I will continue to be a major league baseball fan. They can change anything, and I'll still go because that's because I've I've yeah. lived it my entire life. So they're, they're, and they're not changing these things for me. They're changing it for the next generation. I understand that. It's just sad to me that some of those things that I think that are integral to the game are going away. You disagree? I, I think which is fine. Here is what I think: when you
0: actually go in person and you watch a game, I think you are gonna. I think you are gonna say, you know what? I, I like the way this strikes my eye. I mean, remember, <laughs> outside of all the fandom and the statistics and everything else, there is something comforting and peaceful and visually appealing about sitting in the seat and looking at the baseball field and the diamond and the symmetry of it I mean you've, you've said this to me many times I think it's a great point everything is perfectly proportioned but it had become mutated on the field for for various strategic reasons I mean it was like an algorithmic eyesore yeah. now you're going to look at this thing it's going to look oh, you want to make a point didn't you it's going well. <laughs> to look balanced and you're going to say you know what this this looks good this is like my eyes are going to feel comforted by this
3: yeah i'll, I'll say one final thing I, I i agree we're losing some of that look i grew up watching nomar and as a red sox fan love the, batting the, reason, glove, the, the reason the reason we OC, have the pitch clock one is of the is big nomar. things kevin <laughs> Ke, kevin euclid you, you know had an incredible uh batting stance but you know uh Routine too that that he did, and as kids we we, when we played little league we did it right. We got up there and it was Nomar, and he did the batting gloves, and it was like, you know, you struck out or whatever. But like, I loved it too. But it's ridiculous. Like the it's game ridiculous. doesn't need it. It's just it's not. Intru- I understand it gives the 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 players a, you know, it, it's some sort of marketing thing or whatever. I'm sure there's commercials and jokes about Nomar and nucleus and all these things. It's just. It's not really part of the game. So, like, losing it for me, yeah, there's a little bit of that nostalgia, but speeding them up. I don't mind moving them on. I
2: I don't like the idea of a a physical clock. But we'll move on. So, you're still without power?
3: Speaking of somebody (sighs) without a physical clock. Oh, my gosh.
0: I have no, yeah, I have no, yeah, my clocks are off. It's like I'm just existing in a, you know, in a, a large casino where there's, I don't know what time it is. I don't know. What I don't day know if I'm is. allowed to
2: talk about this on on this podcast. So we may have to edit this later on, Jared. But do I understand that you've had to to relocate a yes. member of your household to, to your office?
0: Yes, my bearded dragon <laughs> is literally in my office behind this podcasting studio because it it my power's been out since last Friday. It's Thursday morning. It's cold in my house. Bearded dragons are warm creatures. They live in warm environments. This windstorm tried to kill my bearded dragon. And the fact that I'm one of the last ten people in the state of Kentucky that can't get their power turned back on, I had to bring my bearded dragon over here because she was, like, freezing her long tail off. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous. Anyway, she's on my desk.
2: Well... (laughs) She was of much
0: amusement to my staff. I bet, I bet.
2: So, in, in, for those folks listening outside of uh, of Kentucky, across flyover country, and other point, points, uh, we did have a pretty unusual weather situation here last Friday, where record low pressure system. I uh, mean, the, the millibars on the barometer were never as low as they've ever been in several recordable, you know, locations across uh, across Kentucky. Created this extraordinary wind event because it's one thing for something to come through as a thunderstorm or even a hurricane but but this was sustained winds over 10 hours of like 40 and 50 miles per hour with gusts up to hurricane strength of like 80 miles an hour yeah and ultimately things are going to buckle <laughs> you know, it's going to have an effect on uh on the system there so uh, in you know overall, and, and I so I work for the electric cooperatives of the state, and then there are um, investor-owned utilities too. You put those two together, you had probably six hundred thousand customers or, or members, and that's that's those would be households. Now think about
0: this: six hundred thousand were out there's, households. There's about four thousand left as we record this, and I'm one of them. Right, you know, I, and I sort of blame you. I'm just going to be honest. I know I don't live in a co-op get, territory, get, but get, I feel like you're the closest thing that I can joke. Get out of the hole, If You can just Jerry, do something.
2: Yeah. I must go to not make eye contact Fair with enough. him. <laughs> so the fa- the fact this this says so much. The fact that <laughs> yeah. he's the one without power and then he, and he says, "Okay, why there's only a select few right now who don't have power and, and then he blames me. Maybe it's you."
0: Yeah, Maybe. I don't have the I
2: don't have the right friends. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I need well, I need to make a better friend in I, the electric business. I never lost power, so I don't know what that no. I means about me. No, I will
2: tell you though that that compared to we had um, in two thousand eight and nine, there was the back to back disasters in Kentucky of um, windstorm with Hurricane Ike and then the ice storm uh, as well. Actually, it was, I was, I was actually ice and Ike in that order. But anyway. Uh, you had roughly the same number of people, our, our, our members, customers without power across the state. It took three to four weeks to get it back, and most of the power, if not all of it, is going to be back by you know this. The the last few that are in the most remote areas will be this weekend, basically one week. So I know it's 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 one of the situations. Uh, it's 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 infuriating. It's frustrating. It's it's uh, it's costly. You've had to probably throw away a lot of food. Out of your refrigerator, and- silver lining. Yes, you know my wife and I fight a lot about. Oh, this is your this about. Is your, this is your purge <laughs> about
0: what's in the fridge mm-hmm. and how long it's been in there and the kinds of things we keep frozen. I mean, we got Walt Disney's head in there. I mean, it's it's the the freezer is it's unnecessary. I mean, my. By the way, happy birthday to Autumn. It was her <laughs> birthday this week, and I had sent her. I had gotten her a vacation. She's been in West Virginia at the Greenbrier. For the, all week. So I've had four kids and me and the bearded dragon, <laughs> and I relocated the kids and myself to the, to the hotel near the office here. Beardy is here at the office. Beardy. and um, uh, But because the power was out, I had to go to the house, and I had to clean out. my. I'm just going to say it. My freezer and refrigerator have never been cleaner than they are right now.
2: So and I'm enjoying did,
0: this. I threw away a lot of things, but a lot of things needed to be thrown away. This was a this. Old, if there's a silver lining, and there's not mm-hmm. much of one, but if there is one, the cleanliness of my free, I could put this on the showroom floor right now. It's did amazing.
2: You, did you have any kind of like souvenir food in there, like things like oh, we got this at this event, and I didn't want to keep it. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> there's it like sure there was like a bag of like burgoo in there that she had
0: gotten at a uh some event like i think before we were married and we've been married for a while <laughs> that's pretty <interesting. laughs> that's pretty amazing so, actually actually it it's good this is a good thing i'm mm-hmm. sure she'll fill it up in, immediately we we do have and what i haven't tackled yet is we do have this chest freezer in the garage mm-hmm. and you know it, it, that that is thing is full to the brim as well and that's going to be i guess it's going to be I don't think these things hold the cold. So
2: No, you're you're talking about forty eight hours. Yeah. And that would be the end of it. I mean, it's generally speaking, if my C D C memory here is is So they that's a lie then. Yeah. Four. So the, no, those these numbers are probably made up. <laughs> I think it's four hours in a in a in a refrigerator is oh, a refrigerator? really I didn't now, know it was that short. Now yeah. I
0: will say this. So I called her, she's on her vacation and I said, Listen, and I had to break the news. I was like, listen, I had to like I had to clean out the fridge and the freezer. And she said, What were you able to save?
2: <laughs> and I was like, eh, No, you can
0: save something. Nothing, really. <laughs> you d- did you throw everything out? The freezer, yes. I mean, were there anything? Was a, there was a few things in the fridge. Candidly, we, we refrigerate things that don't need to be refrigerated. That's my point. Like exactly. Butter is a good example. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't need to be in there. Yeah. And so that's okay. But most you know drinks you know like a, Con, like a
3: a lot of condiments you don't have to refer like hot sauces and stuff like that. Oh,
0: but I I think she was mostly worried about her condiment packets that we've been collecting since uh we dated back in the <laughs> early aughts. And so we've got a lot of ketchups and mustards <laughs> and uh relishes and uh chinese food, <laughs> duck oh, sauce yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh so oh yeah, so. we got a whole we got a whole thing of that and uh you know it's funny. It just didn't look like it had survived it to me, so
3: i I will say um my parents so i i I grew up in in new england so every you know winter is some at some point during the winter you're going to lose power for a day or two and stuff like that so um you know my dad is i don't know he's he's not a prepper but he has all the you know a crank radio and all those sorts of things crank so so we always survived but i will say to bring this back to politics we i grew up with a gas stove Mm-hmm. And we could always cook hot meals, That's even right. if it was just, mm-hmm. you know, beans and bacon or something simple like that. Um, and uh, for the, I mean, they've lived in that house 30 years or whatever. They finally got a generator just last year for the first time ever. We never had a generator growing up. But having a gas stove, which Biden and his friends want to get rid of, was the one thing that as a kid we could always and do silly things like roast marshmallows. Over, sure. You know. Yeah. So. For the people who have had a gas stove over the last week or so here in Kentucky, I'm sure they appreciate it uh, as opposed to if you're just all electric.
0: I used mine yesterday because uh, the bearded dragon had gotten so cold that I turned on all my gas burners and then had sort of sat here near it. And she immediately warmed up.
2: Okay, I'm going to say something out loud here. And I I'm wasn't starting...
0: exactly putting her on, like, on a rotisserie, but it was close.
2: <laughs> okay, just to be clear, just to be clear, as a matter of... of- Practice. Do not use your gas stove as a heating element for your home. Okay, that is that is different. Mm-hmm. Than I using wasn't. It. I
0: was using it for a heating element for my bearded dragon.
2: Were you? So you're you were like like it's like the frog in the pot.
0: Well, she was freezing She's on to a death. Little
3: dish spinning in the, yeah. the
0: I'm just saying. I turned it on for a minute. She, Joe, she was pitiful she needed to be warmed up. No, this
3: is this is a
2: life-saving maneuver and now, that was temporary Now then,
0: then I then I then went out to my truck and I turned and I turned on the seat heater in the front. Then I put her on that. Yeah, it's good. Which she also enjoyed. Yeah. Then we drove over to the office. I couldn't get the seatbelt. Then, then they went out for dinner. <laughs> Had a couple drinks. But I will say she seemed to enjoy the seat heater. And then when we got here and I put the heating lamp on her, then she was like, "Oh, I'm good to go again." Okay. But you know, it reminded me of when it gets cold in Florida and the iguanas, the iguanas they drop like, out, they of the fall trees. out of the yeah, trees. Yeah. And I didn't want her to befall sort of that misery. So,
2: anyway, I mentioned CDC recommendations with the um, with the refrigerators and and such, and please, if you if your power has been out this entire time, throw everything out. Sorry, Autumn. Um, but speaking of CDC, can we can, <laughs> can we go to the hearings? Uh, oh, th- that happened uh, there, Jared in uh, in DC. This is uh, Robert Redfield, the uh, former head of the CDC, right? And um, this is such a. I mean, for obviously we knew this was going to happen. There's all, all kinds of things that happened with, and probably the most consequential with the change of the majority in the House is some real oversight here into, and and some differences of opinion being allowed to have the light of day on a number of issues, right? Um, And you might recall, and it's, we talked about it last week on the podcast, the whole concept for the longest time was that if you even wanted to entertain the notion that there was something else going on here, or is it possible that the Chinese somehow engineered this thing you were a crackpot, you were a kook, this is a conspiracy theory.
0: Yeah, this the simple asking of questions, right. the 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 use of skepticism. I mean, you know, th- these are things that are pretty common in our, I mean, we have a free society where you know, First Amendment generally asks questions. It's generally been viewed upon as okay in America. But boy, you're right. There was a period of time where even if you dared to ask a question, you were like banished from
2: polite society. Terrible. You might recall, I, I forget what year it was now because it's all. I, mean, I think it was last year, or maybe two years ago. With when Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky was questioning Anthony Fauci um, about the gain of function yeah. uh, research, and Fauci, you know, basically saying no, that was not going on, and really kind of not just denying it, but also uh, mocking Paul, mm-hmm. you know, and, and really this sort of this it's kind of this, this very personal situation there where Rand Paul's trying just to hold the, the government officials who are literally involved with this research and funding the research, which very possibly could have actually helped create this virus. So Redfield was one of the people then, of course, that should have been involved with these investigations and these, and these questions, right? So he testifies yesterday that when, because he was asked about whether Fauci lied to, to Rand Paul. And they're going back through this again. So, and so he t- t- took a trip back in time to the, uh, to the House committee there about when those questions came up.
1: Unfortunately, I was excluded from those conversations, uh, which I found retroactively very disappointed, since I was obviously a virologist and very engaged. And I actually had asked Jeremy Farrar, Tony Fauci, and Tedros to have these conversations. And then to be excluded, I found unusual. I do think it illustrates one point that's worth really focusing on. When you you have a group of people that decide there could only be one point of view, that's problematic. And I'll keep going saying it's antithetical to science. And unfortunately, that's what they did.
2: And that's, of course, the most ironic thing about all this, Scott, is antithetical to science is to stop being able to question. And what what were we told the entire time? Follow the science. And then from Fauci, I am the science. I think... Also, it's
0: worth remembering that Fauci admitted that he was willing to tell the public certain things in order to manipulate their behavior. Remember on the masks early on, it was, well, you don't need a mask. Uh, You know, and, and and the reason stated at that time was he he wanted he wanted, I guess, the masks to be preserved for the medical community. So right. that was the and then it became immediately now that we have it oh now everybody needs a mask. Um it, the the willingness <laughs> to 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 engage in candidly unethical public communications about this in order to manipulate narratives and right. human behavior to me is one of the worst things to come out of this because not only was it bad in the moment, but the next time something happens, are you gonna believe a word? These people tell you. I mean, now <clears throat> knowing what we know now, I mean, it really, really damaging uh, to public confidence in these. I mean, institutional confidence that already been falling. Right. And now look.
3: Yeah, it's. Joe, you mentioned the, the sort of investigative powers. And I think there's going to be a lot of I think Fauci specifically going to be a lot of people who are going to realize lied to us and de- li- deliberately manipulated the sort of public knowledge on on covid. I mean, we know this about Fauci about the origin story. There was that, I forget, uh, you know, some like Yale scientist who emailed him was like, "Hey, I think the lab leak story might be uh, potentially true." And Fauci was like, "No, it's not. Don't you tell anybody that it is." Right? This was right. sort of like right? kind right. of paraphrasing here. And the next day, the guy was like out in like the Huffington Post, like, "No, nope, no, nope, don't. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here." Right? I mean, the power that Fauci and a few other people, and it seems like Redfield was sort of left out of this. You know, this group of the the influencers or whatever yeah, they were going to because make he wasn't this. he wasn't in on the he, joke yeah. you know he was yeah.
2: I
0: mean I mean you just google this May 4th 2020 Fauci no scientific evidence the coronavirus was made in a Chinese lab Los Angeles Times Fauci no way the coronavirus was made with US research funds I mean it, it, the the volume mm. of the pushback against this at the time from that community was enormous, and then also on top of it, Jared, <clears throat> there was this simultaneous track out there of anybody who raised it was immediately called a racist. Yeah, because, I mean, honestly, right, if yes. you if you said, "Hey, maybe maybe we should talk about whether this happened," Redfield
2: actually says in the testimony yesterday, he says that was the most hurtful thing to him was being called a racist. I think the Baltimore Sun in an editorial yeah. called him a racist for that very reason. It, it's interesting if you look at the the issue of race permeating this entire
0: saga on that front and then <laughs> remember when we were all banned from leaving our homes and told not to gather but then they got a waiver for the riots in 2020. well that was okay yeah. and you had scores of public health officials signing letters and making public statements saying well what they're protesting is also a public health issue so therefore they get a they get away as though the coronavirus knows your politics. <laughs> And 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 whether your politics is moral, yeah. so you had people saying you can't you can't go to the beach or you can't go to the skateboard park, or you can't shoot hoops outside, but you can go because again, it, it, this, this when people uh, when people say what is woke, how do you define that? That's one of the greatest examples when when you're so woke that you're willing to to suppress scientific and common sense. Uh, protocols to become subservient to the woke uh, point of view when it comes to these societal matters. That's woke. Right. That's what people mean when they say woke. And and when you ban people from doing X activity and encourage them to do Y activity when the activities functionally, biologically are the same, that's woke. And that's and I'm just I will never forget that.
3: Yeah, I think one of the the most offensive things too, as we as we look back over these last couple of years, is that. Look, I don't think anybody got it 100 percent right. Right. I, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a politician or, or us who, you know, speak in the public or write about these things. I think we had limited information a lot of times. Uh, things were moving very quickly. And so so a lot of times a lot of us didn't know. But our friends on the right were like, hey, you know, let's err on the side of like freedom here and just kind of let people live their lives, and we'll kind of figure it out as we go. And the other side was like, you're racist. You want grandma to die. You don't care about black people. You don't care about yada, all these things. And, well, we're going to let our friends do what they kind of want to do, but you guys can't do any of those sorts of things. It was like such hypocrisy and hurtful comments from one side. The other side was just like, hey – If you want to protest, we'll protest. If you you want uh, to go to lunch, we'll go to lunch. It's just—
0: The the other information I think they really, really suppressed from the American public, the world really, was the idea that natural immunity Mm -hmm. was at least as effective as the shot. And there was a long period of time where that was not even to be entertained. Right. And people pointed out like, well, in every other instance— you yeah. know if you if you it
2: made sense to all of us I mean, and repeat, yet anyone who's been alive for uh, for their life yes <laughs> you would say well yeah after you you, you have the antibodies right and, and but remember if you
0: suggested that at the time right but but again they were doing it to manipulate public behavior because there were pe- they didn't want people to not get the shot that's right and but but to do to manipulate that was to lie because they, they, they would not acknowledge natural immunity and then they would say the shot was better and now what do we know from the studies? Natural immunity was far better. Right. And the reality is after a period of time, most of us had it.
2: Right. Most of us had coronavirus. It's all the things that were being talked about from the very beginning, but for political reasons or for the – I mean, that, that's the problem with public health You know, um, in the first place is that there, you know, there are – the, well, for the greater good, we can, we can change the facts you know we we can basically manipulate yeah. you for the sake of this i want to bring up three facts that uh, that redfield brought up yesterday in that uh, in that hearing just briefly which i think are it's important as to kind of put out there in the public record not that this podcast is going to be the, the one we look back later on when we d- dig up the, uh, it the might history be, of this actually. He i mean said, i mean
0: the new york times in my opinion is is yeah. dropping in. <laughs> so and, and three so. he
2: says three things happened in the lab mm-hmm. one is in in the, the wuhan virology lab they deleted the sequences Okay. In other words, they deleted the, 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 the lab technique used to determine the exact order of, of the nucleotides in there. And that's, he said that's highly irregular. Researchers don't delete the sequences that they've you know, worked on this. Second thing there, they changed command and control of the lab from civilian to military. Highly unusual, he says again. And the third thing, they let a contractor redo the ventilation system in the laboratory after all this happened. So strong evidence, he says, that there's a significant event that happened in that laboratory in September. It's now been de- declassified. He says you can read it. So the good news is, this, these are things that was this is all part of the public record. When, when this is ultimately written, maybe you know, 50 years from now, it's like the JFK assassination. There's still things that are that are classified there. I think we all kind of have an idea of what happened here. It's just it, for political reasons, for relationship reasons, for too many people being too exposed because they. You know, perhaps we're bought into the whole gain of function being a good thing, but I don't want anybody to know about that. It was all being protected. Why do you think there are so many people who are so
0: invested in defeating the truth on this? Because it's like this major thing happened to the world, and it just I, I want <clears throat> to. I would think most people would want to know. Okay, what is the truth? What happened, and how do we stop it from happening again? But there, there's a there's a cadre of very powerful people who are like fully invested. In only one thing possibly being right. And they are not open to hearing new information, and they are fully committed to defeating any new information.
2: I think – and, Jared, I'll be curious of your thoughts on this from your, your principled background – is that people – it I think it has to do with where your allegiances lie. There are people who feel like they have a, a, more of a kinship with their fellow scientists, with their fellow climatologists, with their fellow fill-in-the-blank than they do as their fellow Americans. And I and I think that there is a situation there where you know and anytime you get the kind of kind of a tight club. I mean, look at what what Redfield said. Those three other guys, they were in the club. But but
0: you're saying they feel a kinship with scientists. I mean, or with their own but, that but, cadre but, of them. But why are the scientists so committed?
2: To, to only their initial reaction being correct. Well, I think people are also human. In the sense, if if, and, and if, if it's exposed the... that I made a mistake, if it's a, if I have my whole reputation at stake, I've, I've had a, I've had a stellar career and everything else, you know, and and then at this point, I, do I want my the, the first line of my Wikipedia entry to be the person who bungled the the coronavirus? To learn,
0: to learn is not to bungle, and it's not just the science. I agree. You, you have mm-hmm. a cadre of scientists, a cadre of like comedians, a cadre of progressive Democratic activists, and a cadre of media people. They're all in the same bucket. They are all fully committed to only this being—even even after it has i mean, look, when the Energy Department said, hey, our intelligence shows has probably happened, immediately you had people coming out and making fun of the intelligence mm-hmm. community inside the Department of Energy. I'll tell you the answer, in my opinion. It's Trump. He was the first person who suggested that maybe this leaked out of a Chinese lab. And because they cannot permit him to be right about anything, they have to fully defend. They will die on this hill because to leave it or to admit that it was wrong is to admit that, hey, maybe Donald Trump was right. The number of otherwise smart, supposedly smart people that he absolutely broke – is astonishing, even and broken to the point where they are willing to die on a hill that literally we're all standing
3: here going this. (laughs) You need to come down and they'll die on it because of Trump. I think it's a mix of those two things. I think we all remember the moment in which Trump was up there talking about like injecting people with bleach and Fauci kind of put his head in his hands. And that's kind of the that's what made him a folky. That became the right. kind of cult of Anthony Fauci. And so I think it was you're either this cute little Italian scientist guys team or you're the big or bad orange man's team who's going to sit out in the sun and inject each other with bleach. And then I think Fauci... And his kind of cadre got too far into this, and and refused to ever admit that they were wrong. Right that that he was the le- he always was called leading infectious disease expert. So I can't be wrong. So whatever I say, I'm either I'm either right or I, I, I manipulated you because I was gonna be right at some point. So he could always kind of twist his words. Uh, and so again, I, I think it's kind of a mix of those things that I think he realized the moment he had to to save us all from Trump. Which so many people have tried to do over this last six eight years,
2: and to your point, Scott, this is a situation where because people were not being truthful, were not being uh, just you know, but we're we're being conveniently arranging facts for the sake of protecting this or that, or by for attacking Trump, whatever it was, it just lowers our overall confidence level in the future, about all these institutions.
0: I'll tell you one other thing that really troubles me about this is to go back to the, the immunity piece, the natural immunity versus the, the shot. You know, there was a period of time there where, uh, you know, there's a guy, um, he writes for the Wall Street Journal sometimes, Dr. Marty Macary, uh, I think M A K A R Y. follow him. But he had, he had written pretty early on about the projections of when most Americans would have had coronavirus and therefore had natural immunity, and it was, it was early on, and we were still having massive lockdown policies across the country. Right. And I do think there was a group of people out there who didn't want to let go of that power. Because the minute we admitted that natural immunity was as good or better than the shot, that that's when no. the lockdown should have ended. And, and yet, mm. but, but to end it, of course, would have been to give up all the power. And there was a small group of people, small group of people in this country, who wanted— to have power over you and you and me and anyone listening to this, and they wanted to exercise it forever.
2: Bear in mind, emergency powers are what this is the reason why the student loan forgiveness is going on is because of COVID. Yeah. These are under emergency powers. Yes. Because of the state of emergency. All these other things that are going on here. So, to your exactly to your point, if you take away that tool, then I can't do all these other things. That's
0: disingenuous. It was a good reminder that some people should not have unfettered dictatorial power. Nobody should have it. That's the beauty of our government. It's the beauty of the checks and balances. It's the beauty of the diffused nature of our system, is that is that freedom is not easily suppressed when you have, mm-hmm. you know, pushes and pulls. But when you take away those pushes and pulls and you you essentially let, you know, a small group of people dictate Human behavior. Remember, they were putting two by fours over basketball goals in parks. They were filling skateboard parks with sand. They were having cops chasing joggers down beaches. Scary crap. And they would do it again. And I just all this that's coming out to me, we just we have to keep talking about it because we cannot forget it. The because problem, they will do it again. The
2: problem is is that I think people are digging in even more. To a certain extent, I think people have already made up their minds on this, saying, I guess it was, they 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 had our best interests at heart. So, what do you think? Let me ask you guys what do you think the American people would do? Like,
0: if if we woke up tomorrow morning and the government said, hey, we've detected a new virus that it's at least as bad as coronavirus and maybe worse, we don't know. But we're going to need everybody to shelter in place. What do you think the American people would do?
3: I don't know. I saw people in Trader Joe's the other day with masks on. So I know there's some people out there who'd, who would. I think the majority of the American people would say
0: F off. I'm not doing it now. I guess you would have to and I, look, I don't have all the and I, I just thought of my scenarios. So I haven't gained right. it all out. But I, just, I, I, I think
2: I, there would. I think to Jared's point, there would still be the stalwarts who would pretty much sure. say absolutely. Yeah. And I think but I think to your point, the, the, the vast middle uh, would probably tend to to the vast middle, which pretty much acquiesced. Because we're rule followers in general. Yeah. This and, time, and, though? Yeah, you know, I think I think they're going to. You've fooled me once, you
3: know. I mean, I, I do think there's some value. I maybe have said this on the show before. My father-in-law has a, a degenerative lung condition, so we're, we tend to be careful around him. I mean, the guy walked around no mask for three years, so if he's not going to do it, what am I supposed to do? But um, And so if there was some new thing where, like, maybe I could get a shot one time and it would be actually effective, or if there's some test I could do quickly at home, before I go just see him, but I'm not gonna start doing that again to go to a basketball game. No, or that, go, you know, right. to school or work or whatever. But like for very specific instances, if there was a new strand, yeah, maybe I would be more aware now. The same way when my my brother had our first niece, I got my flu shot for the first time and <laughs> Right. Ten years because it was just like, okay, here's a lifestyle change personally for me, but I wouldn't expect anybody, anybody else to change. I think it
2: goes back to what you said before, Scott, and I do want to move on to January 6th here, and I believe we're not on the same thread, which is that who, who are you trying to protect? and Why is it that we are so willing to suspend our disbelief – or not, not disbelief, but to, to – why, why are we so willing to deny what we're seeing right in front of our very eyes? and that's And that's what we've been asked to do innumerable times now over the last—I think during the Trump era, and I think he did—you're right, he completely uh, altered everyone's sense of reality because you couldn't see past your own visceral reaction to who he was. January 6th, if I could, is another example of this. So when I saw January 6th happen, I was disgusted by it. It was very clear that they were violent people who had violent uh, means and ends, and then there were a bunch of other—I don't know who they were—people who were kind of just like lemmings and walking in. And and prompted by Trump, but then also the, the thing that I also that, that, that also can be true at the same time is that the Capitol police failed, or whoever was in charge of making the decisions about you know because obviously that the Capitol was breached that that affected me terribly in the sense that how okay. is that possible for this for this bastion of democracy to be that breachable and and so what I'm saying is i I'm not, I'm not trying to condemn anyone the whole thing I'm just saying is all these things. The problem was is that the entire January 6th hearings, literally engineered by a former television executive to, to prove a point, excludes some of the information in there and some of the narrative, which then gives an opening to someone like Tucker Carlson to do things which are also disingenuous. But, 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 but as long as the seeds of doubt have been sown, then there is a place there is a fertile environment for them to grow. And that to me is the whole – this is the same thing with, with, with COVID and with this is that because we have a lack of candor and truthfulness and enough people who are just want to get to the basic facts of it in the first place is there's – you're going to have this kind of, uh, of friction you have today. I think somewhere along the way we, we lost our ability to, to
0: believe that multiple things can be true at once. Right. Mm-hmm. Take the January 6th situation. Um, it could be true. All these things could be true. Trump acted very, very shabbily and violated his oath of office. Number two, there were people at the Capitol who did nothing wrong. Number three, there were people at the Capitol who probably got caught up in it but but didn't commit any violence mm-hmm. per se. And number four, there were absolute people there who wanted to commit insurrection against the government, murder members of Congress, and bully them in a mob-like fashion into changing the outcome of an election. All of that can be true, but it's like we can't it's like we can't allow ourselves to to to, to believe things. You, you want to have a narrative, and you want every piece of the narrative to fit perfectly. Life is not a puzzle, you know. Life is not a jigsaw puzzle. Like there will be things that that puncture your point of view or puncture the other person's point of view. And I just – it strikes me that it, we would all do well to sit back and say, can multiple things be true here? Can some of my people have done something good, and can some of my people have done something bad? In most situations, the answer is yes, because nobody's perfect. And so this this uh, attempt to make people believe that somehow January 6th was nothing more than a handful of sightseers strolling <laughs> through the building, I mean, is repelling down the Senate – Chamber wall? Is that part of the tour now? Is it, is it an adventure tour? Is breaking the windows part of the tour? Is shooting people in the face with bear mace? Stealing their riot shield? Breaking the windows? Defecating in the hallway? Is that on the tour? Shouting hang Mike Pence while erecting gallows? Is that on the tour? Come on. I mean, honestly.
3: Yeah, it is this this other thing where we just sort of like fallen into our our camps a little bit too much I not you know some people have fallen into the camps a little bit too much and again you, you know it dare one thing have been slightly sent out of context six months ago that now invalidates everything that that right. person had said right and that, that's sort of what we're seeing now is uh you know that that clip of Josh Hawley running away was played many times because it's kind of a funny clip, you know. He's celebrating these guys, and now he's running away from. It. Well, oh, well, other people were running. It's like, well, yeah, sure, other people were running away from it. that. Doesn't mean the people who posted that clip or shared that clip lied about everything that was said about, you know. But it's but a, but but one that thing that but,
2: but that example though is one that it was it was played to great effect in a January sixth committee hearing, and it was fun. oh absolutely right. Yeah. but the problem is, but when you when you selectively, I mean. We're all—I mean, I'm a former journalist, but we all are kind of in that in that world now of just social media and everything else, where you you selectively choose what you're going to highlight of something, and and to, because yeah. you're trying to make a point, yeah. And the, I understand it's politics; I guess you can never avoid that. But I just think again, the the more politicized and the the more you're interested in making a point than you are in getting at the the, the facts, all you're doing is you're opening the door for the next person to do the same thing against you. And 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 ultimately, the, the American people uh, suffer because you, you don't have a, a true sense of what actually happened.
0: For the Republican Party to ignore or whitewash the mountains of video, <laughs> that's the thing here. This This event happened not—it happened on TV. Right. We saw it. Right. It's like going to a movie and walking out and saying, you know, the Avengers, they really didn't—they really didn't— kill Thanos in the end. No, no, I saw it. <laughs> like, I saw it. it, it you, we all saw it and right. we can all rewatch mm-hmm. it. Right. But you did make a point about the, the January 6th committee that's also true. They did something dumb as well. They created a committee fully committed to writing a report mm-hmm. to, 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 to fit perfectly into their narrative. That's why they didn't want to include anybody on the committee who might ask difficult right. questions. Mm-hmm. I don't have a, I actually don't have a problem with Video footage being handed to Tucker Carlson or anyone—I think it should have been handed to everybody. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. I do have a problem with saying like, "Hey, I've got hours of footage of Abraham Lincoln walking around Ford's Theater. It looks fine to me." I have a problem with that, uh, which is I think what is occurring here. And We know why because these people live in fear of their audience, and so I, which is bad. I mean, <laughs> you got to. This is not news. This is wrestling. The storylines are written. I agree. And we have to, like, we have, I'm just, I implore you to understand it's not the news, it's wrestling.
2: <laughs> well, there were a lot of, of, of foolish people who walked into the Capitol that day. Yes. Who, uh, you know, who, who are not blameless, however. And I guess say the same thing about people, no matter what network you watch, if you're foolishly walking into those narratives because it's what you want to believe or because you think it's fine. Just think for yourself. Just, 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 just grow up. There were definitely people there who got
0: swept up yeah. in a crowd, but there were also people there who had spent a lot of time planning. But yeah. the insurrection, <laughs> I know. By the way, that word, and you know, there's Eric Erickson, my friend and our right. friend of the pod here, is is disputing the use of that word. No, no, there. I I disagree. There were definitely people who thought that a mob right. could change the outcome of an election. That to me is the definition I of. Agree of insurrection. But there were also people there who had no idea what they were doing other than they went to a speech and were told to walk down the street. Yeah. And and those people also exist, but there were definite people there who but those had people a plan.
2: Well, those people aren't blameless either. I, I, mean, I, the, I agree. There's no question that the people who believe that insurrection was going to happen are the most to blame in all this, you know, in, in terms of the fact they're the ones who, to your point, they were they were armed for war, you know, but but just be careful who you follow. the The, the, the conservative view on this ought to be, Mobs are bad.
0: Exactly. We get upset when Democrats and liberals acquiesce to or encourage mobs, whether they're at the Supreme Court or going down to Brett Kavanaugh's house or, uh, you know, having riots over social justice issues. Like we we have have criticized the left for the use of mobs. We cannot say mobs in some cases are OK or that mobs aren't mobs when they clearly are mobs. Mobs are bad, period. You cannot be a nation of mobs. You have to be a nation of laws and processes. And if we're willing to excuse mob behavior, we have no standing then to criticize the left when they engage in their mob behavior. They, they had a mob the other day at the Supreme Court led by Randy Weingarten, the head of the teachers union on the student loan case. These people, the the, the left is essentially just, a, a you know, it's like a bunch of, Venn diagrams of
2: mobs, some overlapping I, with Jesus. We no, can't
0: be that. We for, cannot be a mob.
2: For as ridiculous as what Randy Weingarten was, I didn't, I mean, in terms of that rally outside the Supreme Court, I, I was less concerned about that than I am.
0: But the point of it is if we stand on the Supreme Court steps and scream at the justices, they will ignore the law and bend to our will. Right. The people at the January 6th who were out there breaking into the Capitol, they thought, they thought if we just intimidate, The actors in our government enough, they will ignore the law and bend to our will. And that's ultimately the question you have to ask yourself. Is that how you want the country to operate? Can we just intimidate the right person
2: today to get what we want? How did it happen then, Jared, that this past week, somehow Republicans and Democrats came together in the U.S. Senate when it came to after the Metro Council of Washington, D.C., had uh, wanted to basically— do some some crime reform and to reduce some sentences and to so
3: what do you think well by golly the one thing we can all agree on is violent crime is bad yeah <laughs> uh so i think the you know if we're uh trying to figure out if the nation's still doing good i think still pe- uh, people still think carjacking and those sorts of violent crimes are uh bad yeah this was uh there's a lot of interesting uh political takeaways from this my, my biggest thing here is Scott, I don't know how many hours you did on TV around the Kevin McCarthy confirmation, but my goodness, did our friends on the left. Oh, look at the dysfunction in the House. They'll never be able to do anything important. They don't know how to run a chamber. Yada, yada, yada. Well, 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 Republicans know how to legislate a little bit up there in D.C. Uh, Big win, bad look for democrats uh both uh hakeem jeffries who again was like look at he gets the votes every single time he knows what he's doing he's going to be a great leader um bad look for them but in the end good policy that they were able to pass here i'm thankful that uh president biden senate democrats got on board what is an incredibly reasonable uh incredibly reasonable blocking of some of these unreasonable reforms so yeah are, are the kids all right maybe because we all agree uh These sorts of violent crimes are bad.
0: Yeah. What is happening in Washington right now? The reason Democrats are all upset with Joe Biden is not because he took a policy position. It's because he exposed the Democratic Party as being weak on violent crime and on violent criminals. He knows he can't carry that position into the election. I keep hearing people on television. I've been on with some of them. Well, this made it look like Democrats were soft on crime. No, no, you don't look like you're soft on crime. You are (laughs) soft on crime, and your own president knows it, and he had to take action about it. The same thing's happening on immigration. Biden knows that his party sucks on this topic. And so now he's thinking of going back to even more Trump-era immigration policies because he cannot carry the open border into the re-election. The Democrats are mad, not because of the change, they're mad because of the exposure. Their own own president has exposed them all. And in the Senate vote on the crime bill, you know we ended up with over 80 votes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there were a handful of holdouts in there who were still committed to the idea that if we just leave the violent criminals alone and we just let them go, they'll stop being violent. Did you guys see the the footage the other day of the chief of police of Washington, D.C.? Saying... On average, in the district, everybody we arrest for murder, who commits a murder, has been has already been arrested an average of 11 times. 11 times. The Democrat answer to this is, of course, to reduce penalties on violent crime. The Republican answer ought to be, let's take the violent people and throw them in jail and leave them there. And that's a winning issue. Biden, you know, he, he's he been around long enough to understand this dynamic, which is what's prompting him to take action.
3: Yeah, I uh, I would love 1994 crime bill Biden back. Right. I think I said that on last week's show. I mean, this is a serious problem in all of our cities. The, the data point Scott just mentioned, that holds for a lot of cities. We're seeing rises in, in violent crime here in Louisville and across the country. Um, and I mean, I think you see what's happening in our cities, the violence at the border. I think we're going to get to the four Americans who were, were kidnapped and two now murdered. I mean, I think people are looking around like, what the heck is going on? And this vote hopefully is a reminder to Democrats that like, hey, the American public really cares about this issue. Like, we don't want to feel unsafe when we leave our homes. Uh, and so hopefully, you know, there's some measures here in Kentucky and other states to, to crack down on some of these, uh, you know, the rise the in youth, violent crime and all this stuff. So hopefully they they learn their, their lesson here and step up both in our cities and, and at our border and recognize that, you know, crime shouldn't pay. You had some,
2: uh, you were, it's got much in immigration and you had, uh, was it Christopher Ray that was speaking this past week on this?
3: Yeah, he was. So uh, there's been a back and forth on, we've heard about um, the getaways and those sorts of things and. The Biden administration maintains that the border is secure and that things are, Everything's things fine. are things are actually going fine there. Kamala, there's, she fixed it. Um, <laughs> yeah, fixed. her and her and her buses. So there's this interesting back and forth uh, in, uh, from Christopher Ray, so I wanted to play this about, I think this is kind of interesting on the folks who are crossing into the country.
1: We're not able to keep tabs on every single person who comes in, certainly. We have all sorts of investigations into certain people uh, who get in, and we try to work very hard on both sides of the border to prevent, to support uh, DHS's efforts and, and to some extent our neighbors south of the border from preventing them from coming in.
3: The short of that is they have no idea what's happening. They don't know who's coming in. They don't know if they're criminals. They don't know if they're bad people. And again, with this, these four Americans who were kidnapped, two of them murdered at the border, seemingly by cartels. We've heard a lot about uh, fentanyl, too, over the last couple of months. It's, it's, uh, it's concerning that we don't really know what's going on. We don't know who's coming in. We don't know if these people are safe. We don't know if they're here for asylum. We don't know if they're children looking for their parents. We don't like all these things. It's it's concerning the the level of of dysfunction going on at the border.
0: Oh, I mean, this is one of the biggest um, anchors tied around Joe Biden as he goes into his re-election campaign because again, it's, it's 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 unfolding on television. Like we have footage of people running across the border. We have footage of thousands of people huddled under overpasses. We like if you can see it with your own eyes, it's really difficult to get people to believe something else. And for them to argue the border is secure when we see the dysfunction with our own eyes. And so I think that's why Biden is going to end up uh, continuing to try to, at least for the purposes of reelection, make it look like he's taking some more hardline immigration stances. That's why, because they fundamentally understand you can't carry an open border policy and have your administration telling everybody everything's fine and the border is secure. You can't carry that into it's it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And then when you couple that – With the Chinese spy balloon flying over and the violent crime in the streets, there's just an overall feeling that the United States is not secure. Not secure in the air, not secure at home, not secure at the border. And so the president of the United States doesn't want to carry basically a feeling of, I can't, you know, I cannot protect this country into this re-election
2: campaign. We have some audio seen, Red Heard, this week. Uh, I'm going to start, if I could, Jared, with uh, our, our vice president. Oh, no.
3: And and words. Share with you. Fact, so the, that's a good way to describe it. Words. <laughs> Make it another sound. See if you could follow this one. Share with you a very
2: simple story, which is that I went home one day and I said, Well what's why are conservatives
1: bad, mommy? Because I thought we were
0: Why are conservatives bad, mommy? We're supposed
1: <laughs> to conserve. Things. Oh,
0: the I cackle. couldn't
3: reconcile it. Now I can.
0: <laughs> uh, and they're really saving the soul uh, of America. They're, they're, yeah. I mean, they, they, these are the people, the Biden people. We're going to save the soul. We need unity in this country. Yeah. And Kamala wants everyone to know that as a very young child— She was taught. She, she had discerned that conservatives were bad, Mommy. This kind of like—this is like the most base, uh, silly, stupid
2: political rhetoric— that there is well, it's, it's one thing too <laughs> and, if 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 you even believe that as a child or were taught that. But why, as vice president, would you? Yeah, talk and, about it.
0: I don't it just And no and and these are the same folks who tell us that we all have to like love each other and get along <laughs> as Americans. We're all in this together. And yet you have Kamala Harris out here saying, "Well, if you're a conservative, you're bad." Even I knew that as a child. There's no unity in any of this.
2: It's ridiculous. I think you also have an audio clip for your scene. Red her this do week, Jerry. By the way, yeah. Do, yeah. what— if the shoe were on the other foot, yes. Oh, I mean, if, if, a, if a conservative
0: if, said, if, "Right, you know," I, I, I think it's important that we teach all of our children that liberals are bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'd be in twenty-four-seven cable news coverage right now. I mean, honestly, that—that's mm-hmm. how it would be treated. The double standard on on this. <laughs> I mean, it's re- it, but it's happening all the time. Look, look at what's happening. I, I don't mean to get off on a, a tangent. And you a do rant, actually. That's fine. But like. Look at the coverage of Ron DeSantis and his dealings with Disney and the coverage of Gavin Newsom and his his dealings with Walgreens. Ron DeSantis is Mussolini. He's Hitler. He's Putin. He's Stalin for dealing with Disney the way he has. Gavin Newsom is a hero for dealing with Walgreens. He had the same basic setup. A governor of a state is trying to essentially make a point by dealing harshly with a corporate entity. One is bad one is good I'll let you do the math and figure out which narrative is which the double standards right now for the way the left is covered on any of this stuff versus how the right is or would be covered it's nuts it's nuts
3: I'm trying to think of what that joke would be like why are liberals bad I thought a liberal amount of something was good like I don't, <laughs> I, don't know. I don't even know that there's like a thing there it's yeah it's a very like sixth grade recess joke like i don't know it's it's, it is mind-numbingly stupid yeah i mean let's just let's just let's just be honest when she opens
0: her mouth in public and starts saying stupid crap and the cackle that goes along i mean it is it degrades our politics it makes it all dumber and it's already pretty dumb but that kind of stuff makes
2: it all dumber but she would have to be the front runner if biden chooses not to run for re-election correct
0: i don't know I don't know that. I mean, I would have previously said Mayor Pete, but <laughs> he's, had a, <laughs> he's had a he's had, had rough a time. he's had a mommy. I thought transportation secretaries were supposed to know something about transportation, <laughs> and yet they don't
3: or have any experience. <laughs> Speaking of people who uh, frequently say dumb things, uh, Bernie Sanders was on Bill Maher this oh. weekend. A couple of great clips out of that, but one that I thought was really eye-opening, more than uh, sort of dumb. He had a had great flub on the student debt. Stuff thing, but he was asked about equality versus equity.
1: Fusing equality of opportunity with trying to guarantee equity in outcomes. Okay, that's interesting because I think this word equity has come into the language in the last few years, and before that we didn't hear it a lot. And I think a lot of people hear equity and they hear equality. I yeah. think like, it's the same word, and it's not the same word in the same concept. So, how would you differentiate between equity and equality? Well, equality. We talk about. uh, I don't know what the answer to that is. Come to think of it, you know, uh, equality is equality of opportunity. We live in a society we want all people to have whatever color your skin is. Equity, I think, is more guarantee of outcome. Is it not? Yeah, I think so. I think that's okay. So, which you come, which side do you come down on? Uh, Equality. Equality. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. That's not that's not where his followers
2: are. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that's where he is. He may have has he hmm. issued a, re, a, re, a revision after that statement.
3: Uh, I don't think so. Uh, but it is I mean, his whole policy
2: goals. agenda is pretty much driven by redistribution. Yeah. yeah,
3: I mean that's which is equity. Yeah, you know uh, the the yeah. guaranteed outcomes being the same. Do you, do you have the other clip from Mar? By the way, with with Bernie, we got to listen to that. I, I, I oh, this just,
0: is the
2: one on uh, yeah.
0: The student loan student polling. Loans, yeah, this this yeah. to me was stunning. Uh, this whole appearance. Yeah, go ahead. This is amazing.
2: This is against why
1: people sometimes I think question some of what you're saying. Uh, this is a survey. Student loan forgiveness recipients. Seventy three percent of applicants say they are likely to spend their extra money on non essential, including vacations, smartphone, drugs, and alcohol. They they admitted that to the pollster. Now, who is this pollster? I. And this, <laughs> NBC News, 52 um, percent. They are very likely or likely to buy new clothing. Forty six percent. They would use the money for vacation and eat out at restaurants. This is why people have a thing about I, I would never call it free money. Oh, I guess I just did. And again, this is again yeah,
0: that 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 to me, that same appearance. Um, that's all you really need to know about the Biden student loan forgiveness plan is that they they desperately want to hand people a check to go out and to do those things that they told the pollsters they were going to do. It has nothing to do with what they claim. It has everything to do with testing whether they can get around the U.S. Constitution on this so they can right. do it again on something else. And essentially, you know, this is their coalition. That, that's their voting block, and they desperately need those people to be engaged and to turn out.
3: I don't think it would be very hard to find – I think it would probably be Cori Bush or one of the squad members saying student loan debt is about racial equity. Yeah. And the irony there of, you know, that's his side saying this. Uh, so, yeah, I, it, you know, him then saying he doesn't believe in equity, even though this is, you know, sort of based in that idea of like everybody has the same, you know, I don't know. It's it's a strange, not a great performance. His face when Bill Maher says NBC News. And he's kind of like, <laughs> OK, yeah, I know, it, wasn't, got, it wasn't. Uh, it, it, you, you got, got me. Got, you got yeah,
2: me. Yeah. Anything from you, Scott?
0: No power still off. I just checked the outage map. Uh, and uh, still no power in the old uh, in the old neighborhood. So,
2: well, got speed. Oh man, you and Beardy.
0: Uh, she, I gotta go. Uh, you know, I I need to get her one of her. Uh, I need to get some crickets in here.
2: Jared, get some crickets in the office. <laughs> the last thing your office needs. Can you imagine? <laughs> I'm gonna import some pests. <laughs> well, she'll eat them. <laughs> For Jared and Scott, I'm Joe. Have a great week.
0: Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is a production of Bluegrass Media Lab coming to you from the heart of Middle America, Louisville, Kentucky. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Flyover Country on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your
2: favorite podcast.